remembering sacrifice of others important, and because of that, there are a holiday that was set aside for a specific day uh, so that we could do that. I, just some of the origins of Memorial Day, did some research. Uh, originally, it was called, I remember my old pastor who died three years ago at 98 years old, he used to call it Decoration Day. That's what my grandpa called it. He served in World War I, Decoration Day. Well, what does that mean? That means that you decorate the graves of those who have passed so that you remember them on this special day. And it doesn't mean that we worship the dead or we pray to the dead, you know, but it does mean we honor those who have gone on, who have passed, whether it be a veteran or whether it be someone we love in our family. And uh, I have a picture, by the way. Uh, my mother was buried and my father buried in, uh, uh, around Liberty, Missouri, you know, around that area north of Kansas City, the north side. And I have a picture of my mother's grave. One of my siblings took a picture, and actually I took a picture when I went to visit it a few years ago. And every now and then I pull that up on my phone and I look at it and I think, ah, yeah, I remember my mom. And I keep pictures of, of her and Pastor Fast, my former pastor, on my uh, valet on my chest of drawers. And it's up there and I, every now and then I pick them up and I go through them and I, my heart gets warmed because I remember them. I remember that they were family to me. That, they, that I love them and that I miss them. You know something else I remember? I remember that one day I'm going to see them again because they're in heaven waiting for me. Amen? And so that's a good thing to remember until we see them again. But it was originally called Decoration Day. And from the early tradition of decorating graves with flowers, wreaths, and flags, Memorial Day is a day for remembrance of those who have died in service to our country. It was first widely observed on May 30th, 1868, 1868, um, uh, to commemorate the sacrifices of Civil War soldiers by proclamation of General John A. Logan of the Grand Army of the Republic, an organization of former Union sailors and soldiers. Uh, it, it wasn't just important to honor, listen to this, this is important. Historically, there were two armies. Fortunately, the Union won, and freedom was obtained. The amendment for uh, full citizenship for those slaves, the blacks from Africa, was paid for in the blood and sacrifice of Union soldiers and blood and treasure of the North, and we're thankful for that. Somebody say amen. amen. That is only right and good, setting right a wrong, a terrible wrong that was done. Uh, but they also honored those who died of the Confederacy. Right. And the decorations there, recognizing that we should do that. And during the national commemoration, former Union General and sitting Ohio Congressman James Garfield made a speech at the Arlington National Cemetery, after which 5,000 participants helped to decorate the graves of more than 20,000 Union soldiers and Confederate soldiers who were buried there. He said this, we do not know one promise these men made, one pledge they gave, one word they spoke. But we do know they summed up and perfected by one supreme act the highest virtues of men and citizens. For love of country, they accepted death and thus resolved all doubts and made immortal their patriotism and their virtue. James A. Garfield, May 30th, 1868, at the National, uh, Arlington National Cemetery. So in uh, 1971, Congress passed the Uniform 
Monday Holiday Act and established that as Memorial Day and was to be commemorated on the last Monday of May. Memorial Day is commemorated at Arlington National Cemetery each year with a ceremony uh, with which small American flag is placed on each grave. Traditionally, the president or the vice president lays a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier. About 5,000 people attend that ceremony annually. I can tell you, your pastor has watched that ceremony on television live many times, and it's, it is, moves your heart, it moves you. Incredible, um, somber ceremony of honor. John 15, 16 sums it up like this. Greater love, Jesus said, has no one, uh, has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Greater love uh, has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. We know that there are people throughout the history of this country, the revolution and on through, who have fought and died, laid their life down for love of country, and so that their children, their grandchildren, and successive generations could enjoy the freedoms that America affords them. And I thank God for America. Your pastor is a patriot. I'm not ashamed of this country, and I'm not ashamed of our flag. Amen. I'm ashamed of some of the things that were done throughout history, but I am not ashamed of our country. It is, it is a more perfect union, not a perfect one, but becoming better, I believe, as people's hearts and consciences are pricked to do the right thing. Yes. Who is the one that pricks our consciences better than all else? And that is God. Amen. And God wants us to love one another, to treat one another as equals in his sight, and to love them and appreciate them. Somebody say amen. amen. Memorial Day is a day of remembrance, so let us remember those who sacrificed to keep us free. Let us remember those who sacrificed also to raise us, our parents and our grandparents, or whoever your guardian was, if you were not raised by a traditional parent or a mother or father. We need to remember their sacrifices uh, to feed and clothe us, that they did, that they worked hard. Sometimes we take those things for granted. We also remember the sacrifices they did to protect us to keep us safe and to educate us, to help us to be successful in life. Uh, these are the sacrifices of love, love for those in our family, those that we care about. Uh, we need to remember on this day, and our text today is gonna be taken out of First Chronicles uh, chapter 11, it's gonna be about David and about, um, about his sacrifice and sacrifice made for him. But, uh, we remember David and his mighty men. How many love to read the Old Testament? I do. I hope you read the Bible through. Uh, but I, I love uh, to read through the historical books of the Bible in the Old Testament about uh, David, Saul, and or Saul and David and Solomon and all the succeeding kings. And the history of the books of the Bible helps us to warn us that we can't do some of those things they did, or we'll get what they got. And that if we do some of the things that they did, we can also enjoy the blessing that they enjoyed. So it teaches us by example, right and wrong. And David, uh, after he was crowned king and recognized as king after the death of Solomon at the hands of the Philistines in battle, David, uh, Saul and his three sons were killed by, the, uh, by them. And uh, we remember David and his mighty men. David had men surrounding him that were good Men. Now, were they perfect men? No, they were not. But I can tell you that there is nothing better than a, than a bunch of good men. 
And I can tell you here at Calvary, we have a bunch of good men. I, we have good men. We have men who love God, love their church, love their families, and, and they serve. I thank God for our deacons. I, I thank God for them and their families. They, they love God, they love their families, and they love their church, and they serve, and they make things wonderful here. This building would not be here today had it not been for the leadership team. It wasn't Pastor Tim. I cast the vision, but they said, yes, let's go for it. They had faith. They, they had faith, and they had faith enough to give, faith enough to serve, faith enough to pull us in the right direction, and that's what it takes to get things done. That's why I encourage you to serve. You never know how God is going to use you to bless others, and to serve others, and to expand his kingdom until you get in the game. Amen? And so I encourage you for that. David's men got in the game. It was the mighty men after the death of Saul who came to David and said, look, we know... <laughs> We know that uh, all the stuff you did, even though Saul was king, we know that you helped him to be successful, that you were behind him, that you were loyal to him. And we saw that. We noticed that. Even if he was chasing after you to kill you, we know that uh, God's anointing rests upon you. And certainly the anointing was on David. Samuel the prophet uh, went to David's house, to his father's house, and tracked him down going through all the older brothers who were handsome and tall and strong-looking and impressive to find the youngest, the least in the family, out of the fields, in the hills, watching his father's sheep, doing the grunt work. It's like you're the youngest, you're the newbie, you get to do what we used to do. And David's out there all by himself, but David, in those quiet times, out in the hills of Judea, in the night, when I always like to think when I read that, that things that go bump in the night, and you've got this young guy out there. Uh, he had to overcome his fears about those noises in the night. He had to overcome his fears and determine ahead of time that when the lion and the bear come after my dad's sheep, I'm going after the lion and the bear. He had a heart of a warrior, but he also had the heart of a shepherd. And this was God's choice to be king. And the anointing was on him already. And what did the mighty men do when they came to him? Out of all of Israel, different parts of Israel, every tribe. They came to acknowledge and to agree with what God had already done. Okay? That's important to understand. We had an ordination, or not an ordination, but a credentialing service last Sunday night. Pastor Curl did a magnificent job on the message. Very inspiring and encouraging. But when hands were laid on these credential candidates... We weren't doing something new. We were agreeing with what God had already done. God's hand's already on them. We were just coming into agreement and identifying with <clears throat> what God has already done in their life. So David had mighty men who came after him, and these men were loyal in protecting him from Saul. You know, that's what they, that's what they do. And, and these men were willing to give their lives for him. They were willing to die for David. Can you imagine that? David had to impress them greatly them to die for them. I don't know that I would have anybody who want to die for me, but I can tell you what, if it can't push game to shove, I would die for my wife, I would die for my children, and I would die for my grandchildren. I would give my life for them because there's great love there. But David's men, they were mighty, and they were, they were courageous, and they were strong, and they were loyal to him, and they would give their life for him. David trusted them with his life. There were three captains in particular that uh, visit David while he was hiding from Saul's soldiers as we fast forward a little bit. 
and we look at the scriptures taken out of 1 Chronicles chapter 11, 15, and 16. They're on your overhead here if you're following along, but I still like to encourage people to check it out in your Bible. Uh, get your Bible app out and <clears throat> follow along. It's important you see it and read it for yourself, not just hear it. Uh, when you hear it read, you're going to remember some, but when you read it while you're hearing it, that increases substantially your retention. <clears throat> Verse 15 says, Once when David was at the rock near the cave of Abdullam, the Philistine army, remember the Philistine army is the one who uh, trapped and, and uh, took the life of uh, Saul, or Saul fell on his own sword, but took the life of Saul and his three sons, including Jonathan, David's best friend. So the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephaim. The three, these three captains, these three courageous men uh, who were loyal to David to the death were among the 30, an elite group of David's fighting men. They went down to meet him there. So they're running down to see him. Verse 16 says that David was staying in the stronghold at the time and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. So the enemy was within the gates, so to speak, that they were in the country, they were in uh, Judea, they were in the place where David would say, you don't belong here. This is our land. God gave it to us. How do we know that, that it is okay to defend life and property? Amen? Life and property. That's, that's why and the, really the only reason we should go to war is to protect the homeland, to protect the homeland. There has to be a good reason why we go to war. Well, David expressed, and firstly, he, would be, he expressed a desire for water from the well of Bethlehem. We're going to continue the story here in verse 17. And while they were there, these three men came, these three captains came, and they were with David. And David was there with them, and, you know, in the stronghold. And, and David was looking at Bethlehem where the Philistine soldiers had taken. Right? Remember, David grew up near Bethlehem. He, you know, he was, he was there. And, and he, David just surmising, just thinking out loud, talking out loud. Have you ever done that? You know, thinking, and it comes out, you're not really talking to anybody, but he was just there, and he was meditating, probably going back, reminiscing over memories, uh, childhood memories of his homeland, and thinking, oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. And I don't know what kind of water David had been drinking. Maybe his, uh, his uh, wine skins or his skins were filled up with... Uh, water that was getting a little stale, a little dry, warm, and everything from the desert heat. And David, in his memory, could remember drawing water from that well in Bethlehem and remembering, oh, it was so cool and refreshing in the heat of the day and just incredible. It tasted so good. You know, sometimes when we've been a, apart from something, our taste buds in our memory remembers better than what it is, don't we? We think, boy, that's true. Wish I had, and then you get it, and you think it doesn't taste as good as it used to. But up here, boy, nothing like it. I don't know if that was David's case, but uh, here, here we are, uh, thinking out loud. And Bethlehem, David's hometown, he looked back, what do we say, nostalgic, kind of a nostalgic view back. And he attended his father's sheep on the hillsides nearby. He had been anointed king there by Samuel. The memories that came to him were powerful. Memories can be very powerful. There are times, you know, I was in a prayer meeting here at the church a couple months ago on a Tuesday morning. And I, <clears throat> I remember the, uh, the netting was pulled across halfway through, set up ready for Wednesday night for the Rock House students and for the Royal Rangers to come in and throw their balls and you know, bounce balls all over the place, and 
get crazy. And I came up here, I don't always do that, but I sat up here on the three chairs and you know where they are. And I had my, my Bible and the 23rd Psalm came to mind and I read it. It's like, why did you read that? That's so, you know, so read over and over again. And the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I started thinking about it, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just came to me and over, just blessed me with the presence of God. And as I began to read that, the Holy Spirit began to show me and the voice of the Lord began to speak to me in that still small voice saying, Tim, I've been your shepherd. Since the day you gave your life to me, that I, I have led you into green pastures. I have blessed your life. Because you followed me, my sheep follow me. I don't drive my sheep, but they follow. Yeah. They hear my voice, they know my voice. When you have heard my voice and followed, I have led you into the good paths, green pastures, still waters. And then memory started taking over and the Holy Spirit started taking me back all the years, decades. And events in my life, good and bad, and the Holy Spirit started showing me up here in my memory and in my heart, I was there with you when you did that. I'm the one who led you into this blessing because you heard my voice. And it was like God was just teaching me through my memories, through my past, how he had been my shepherd, how he blessed me. And that was a very uh, incredible encounter with the Holy Spirit on that day. And I said, why did, why did God do that? It's because he loves me and he wants to remind me. He wants me to remember. And we need to remember the good things God has done for us from himself, but also through other people, how they have blessed us. And to acknowledge that and to remember that memories can be very powerful. Some people are tormented by memories of bad things. Can I tell you from experience that my God, the shepherd of my soul, has taken my memories that were bad, that were terrible, and I have plenty of them, and he has redeemed them, and he has healed me of them. He has restored me through them, and he has shown me how through those bad things, the Romans 8.28 thing came around, is that he turns what the enemy meant for evil into good, that he helped those things to form my character of who I am today. Memory, bad memories can either make you or break you. David had memories. Oh, he had memories. And he thought of that cool, refreshing water. He's thinking out loud in the front of those captains, not even probably intending that they listened to him. They remembered with pleasure the refreshing taste of the water from that well in his hometown. And he longed for home, and he longed for a taste of home. Uh, do you long for a taste of a better time? And we do that oftentimes when things are bad. We think, oh God, how long am I going to be going through this trouble? David was there in the fortress. The enemy had come in who had killed the last king and his sons were nearby. It was up to David to defend the homeland and his armies. David was the new king, the new kid on the block. Although he had been tested in battle, God had given him victory. But David was there watching the enemy occupy Bethlehem. And I think he was a little bit indignant about it. Can I tell you, it's okay to get righteously indignant and angry at injustice 
and at uh, armies or people who are being oppressed, at those who are doing the oppressing. Can we just say amen to that? That God has given us a sense by his spirit and human uh, creation, uh, uh, compassion and empathy that we need to use and need to develop and let it grow in our life. Sometimes we can look back at the golden years. I was talking to uh, to, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this to Henry this morning and Henry's in the control room for the live streaming and thank you Henry you can see me uh, but uh, I, every time I look online on social net and I see Emily and the girls and of course Emily's uh, expecting a son and, and I think oh those were my golden years I remember being surrounded by females five daughters and a wife just me and the and Tavy, the male Scottish Terrier. You know, we we're the only two. And he had a wife too, the old Steffi. She was the boss, by the way. You know, as often women are um, controlled the male dog. Uh, and, but can I tell you, those were golden years. They were fun years. As when, when Dad, when we'd watch a movie, you'd watch a girl flick. I mean, you know, you just got used to it. This is what they liked. I enjoyed watching it with them and enjoying time with them. Uh, Henry's in his golden years right now. He's got years to come, just enjoying that time. But you know, God, for every golden year that we have, God has more ahead for us. Sometimes we think we only get one season of golden years. Sometimes we look back with nostalgia and we think that was it. Uh, that's my last shot. I used to think that about the 80s, early 90s. And now I'm living my golden years again. Amen. These are good times. Yes. <laughs> These are good times. Can I tell you, I'm having fun serving God. I'm having fun being a husband uh, in an empty nest. I'm having fun when the kids come home and it's not so quiet and it gets pretty messy. You know, my, <clears throat> we have kids coming to, today and my wife told me, she says, you know, when she clean out, she says, you know, I don't think I'm going to vacuum and clean the floors yet. I think I'll wait till next week. And I think that's a smart thing to do because <clears throat> it's going to get messy. It's going to get dirty real fast. And so, but it's good when they come home. These are golden years. Sometimes we long for things in the past and nostalgia makes them bigger and better than what they were. They may have been wonderful, but God has better things ahead for you. Better things, greater things. God has greater things ahead for this church. It's not over. The glory hasn't passed. We're just, we're just uh, climbing one mountain after another and going higher in God. And uh, we can grow as fast as you serve. So you get busy. Amen? So David expressed a desire for water. And then David's men that are with him, these three captains, these three courageous men who are loyal to David, who would give their lives for him. They're like the secret service who would take a bullet for their commander-in-chief. And David's men dared to risk everything just for him so he could have a drink of water from the well in Bethlehem, which is overtaken by the Philistine soldiers. So, and verse 18 says, so the three broke through the Philistine lines. This was no easy task. This was dangerous. It was a risk. And they drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem and brought it back to David. These men were Jehoshaphat, uh, Eliezer, and Shema, as they're listed in the Bible, the eternal word of God. They're men of great honor. They're serving in the military for their nation and for their king. And as David uh, knew that, uh, that Bethlehem was occupied, David's enemies, uh, and they had killed Saul and his sons, 
even his friend Jonathan. So David had really wanted to get them. He wanted to make them pay for that. And three of David's captains, they set out to give him a drink from the well. And they placed their lives at risk to do it as they broke through the lines of the enemy. They brought the water back from Bethlehem's well. I can tell you, David was shocked. He was like, what? What did you do? And I think back to the last church I pastored in North Dakota, and there was a a young man named Jason. He was probably 14, 15 years old at that time. And uh, he was a quiet kid, uh, good, just a fine young, young guy. And he would come up to the church and just hang out with me, come in, talk to me. And he didn't talk a lot. He was kind of quiet. But he wanted to just be around me and talk. And we'd sit and visit, talk to him about school, talk to him about his life, about the Lord, and things like this. And I found myself as, during the conversation just saying, yeah, you know, I, I kind of like to see this get done here at the church and I'd like to see this done and just in passing had no intention of anything happening and next thing you know he's up there doing it all this is a man's, man's work he's a, he's a teenager but he worked like a man, he's a hard worker like his dad and I thought I gotta be careful about when I'm thinking out loud in front of Jason because this, you know, I could manipulate him see, that, there's a difference between somebody serving out of a free will and somebody who's manipulated by a manipulative controlling person. Somebody say amen. Yeah. And I said, well, after that, I was a little more careful. I didn't want him to feel, but he wanted so bad to serve. He wanted to make things good for me. And I appreciated that so much. I had the privilege of uh, traveling to uh, Des Moines to do his wedding many years later before we left North Dakota. And that was a wonderful time. Those are good memories. Uh, but this is the way David's men were. They heard him thinking out loud. They heard him being nostalgic. And, remember, and they thought, you know what we're going to do? I don't know whose idea it was. It doesn't say in the scriptures. But somebody, one of those three men said, hey, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Are you thinking what I'm thinking? You know, we love this guy. We love David. He's a good leader. He's inspiring. You know, let's, let's go down and break through the lines of the Philistines. Wouldn't it be fun to do that? Risk our lives for a cup of water? <laughs> Those guys are crazy. Risk your life for, for some water from a well in Bethlehem. When you have water, it's just not from that well. But they did it. It's amazing what people do for others when they love them. Yes. And they serve them. Yeah. David, when he was Saul's uh, Psalmstress. He went to serve Saul in the palace in Saul's home. <coughs> David was loyal as the day is long. David served him. David would be the one that would have gone through and got the water for Saul. He bent over backwards to please him. Married his daughter. And Saul was so jealous because David was successful. God blessed him in everything he did. They used to go through the streets, the Israelites did in those days, singing a chant. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. You know, it's a terrible thing when a king gets jealous. Terrible thing when a boss gets jealous. Terrible thing when a leader gets jealous. Instead of celebrating and embracing and thanking God for the service of others, that we get jealous. But David wasn't like that. He had a heart that chased after God. I think God wants us all to have that kind of a heart, don't you? 
that wants to chase after God, wants to serve, not for what you get out of it, but for what you can give. David loved the Lord, but these men loved David. And so they break through the lines and they bring back the water for David. Can I, can I just draw a comparison here, a parallel? Really, it's miles apart. But can I tell you and remind you that Jesus Christ broke through the enemy's lines to bring us the living water. The only water that satisfies our soul. It's the living water that Jesus talked about with the woman at the well in Samaria, near our Sychar near Samaria. That he said, the water you're drawing from this well, you'll thirst again. You'll have to come back and keep drawing it. But he said, if you would just take the water that I could give you, you would never thirst. You'd never have to draw water again. Living water. That woman at that well, kind of thinking up here with her mind instead of with her soul, with her spirit. She thought, well, give me this water so I don't have to come back here anymore. But that'd be great. Life, I mean, for the rest of my life, I have water. Don't have to drink. That's not what I mean, Jesus told her. Say, that he began to deal with her sin. But the point of it is, is that Jesus broke through the enemy lines. He, he defeated the enemies of hell and death. When he died on the cross, he defeated sin and the power of sin. When he rose from the dead, he defeated death for us. And Jesus said, I've got some living water for you. Amen. We need that water, amen? You know, that water is, is, is like it when the Holy Spirit comes in when we're worshiping like he did this morning. And you felt that refreshing. Oh, living water. The breath of God. It just brings refreshing and renewal to us. Jesus remembered. We need to remember Jesus Christ, how he died for us, how he broke through the enemy lines for us so that we could live. We should remember those who sacrificed so that we might live and be free. We are in debt to those who made sacrifices out of love for us. A third point here, to finish the story, the worship team's coming back, is David's devotion moved him to do something that you'd think would be, oh, why would he do that? It made him make a sacrifice. I just point out for you the scriptures is that oftentimes, if we are really doing what is right, when someone else sacrifices for us, not to pay them back so much, but out of pay it forward to someone else. You know, do something for someone else. Pay it forward. This is a little thing, but you go to all these, you've got to put a quarter in those silly slots and get a card, right? Anybody know that? And a lot of times there's somebody out there and they say, hey, here, take my card. I said, oh, here's a quarter. No, just keep it. Just give it to someone else. Pay it forward. You know, so many examples of that. That's a little example. It's just something small. But if you're at the Aldi's, you need some stuff and you're reaching your pocket and you don't have a quarter, it's like, oh my gosh, I don't have any change. That means a lot, doesn't it? I tell you, when Jesus... The penalty for our sin needed to be paid. And we reached into our pocket and said, I don't have, I don't have the money. And Jesus comes along when, and he redeems us when we repent of our sins. And, and he says, Jesus, I can't pay you back. It's okay, pay it forward. Go tell somebody else about me. 
Tell somebody else that I died for them too. Tell somebody else that the life they're living, that they're stuck in, that they're just existing, that they don't have the joy in living, tell them that I can make a difference, that I have the living water to give to them. Pay it forward. Tell somebody about me, Jesus said. You can't pay me back, but you can pay it forward. You can tell other people. Well, when David got that water, uh, it says, but David refused to drink it. Can you imagine? They risked their lives to get him the water he was moaning about. You'd think they'd been insulted, but David, his heart showed. They saw his heart. David said, instead he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. He just takes it and he dumps it on the ground. I can't drink it. They had to be standing there looking at each other like, why did we risk our lives? I don't know if the, what they thought about this. But then he said this in verse 19. God forbid that I should drink this. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. And so David did not drink it. And, and the scripture comments that these are the examples are some of the examples of the exploits of these three captains. Exploits. Can I tell you, it is fun to do exploits to expand the kingdom of God. It is fun to be a, an officer or a soldier in the army of the Lord. It is fun to take risks, calculated risks, of course, when you heard from God. But looking back over the years, just this one example of a physical sacrifice is, is getting ready to build this building. Seven years it took to even get to the place where we could even think about building. And it's just like, and people sacrificed. They gave until it hurt. And then they gave again. And, and then they gave again. And then they gave their time and their talent and their skills down here seven days a week working. Sacrifice. Fortunately, nobody died or got injured in it, uh, although somebody did lose some fingers working on it afterwards with a saw, and, and that's a sacrifice. Listen, I, I say this not joking. God noticed. You were serving me when that happened. You get a purple heart from the kingdom of God. That's, you know, that's just the truth. But David just reacts in a, this way that's so unexpected. Instead of drinking the water and saying, oh, thank you, thank you, he pours it out. And what does that mean? The threefold reason for pouring it out. First, it highlights the bravery. Of this. He was actually not dissing them, but he was honoring them. You know, you risked your life for me. I can't drink. This is the same as drinking your blood. You laid your life on the line. I can't drink this water. And so he pours it out for that reason that they understood and so what does that do? It inspires even more loyalty and respect and honor for David. They're thinking, this man, he just gets better and better. And, 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 and just an extraordinary thing. But thirdly, more importantly, it was an act of worship. It was a liquid offering or a libation. It was an offering that was laid out and given to God. It's God, they gave it to me. They gave it to me, risking their lives. God, I can't take it. I'm not worthy of it. But God, all that it represents, all the motivation that caused them to do this, I poured out as an offering to you. I give it to you. Can I tell you, that is holy. See, think about it. Think about all that God has done for you. Think about it. 
every day, not just on Sunday. Think about what others have done for you. Think about those who served in military. Think about those who came home, but think about those who didn't come home. Think about their sacrifice. And, and turn up to God, saying, God, I wasn't worthy of their sacrifice. So God, I pour it out to you, and I thank you for that. I thank you for them. It's a good thing to give thanks. Amen. It's good. It keeps us from being self-centered and selfish. When we're thankful, we realize that there are some things we can't do for ourselves, by ourselves, that we need others. And there's some things, a lot of things, we can't do for ourselves that only God can do for us. Only God has the power to forgive your sins. Only God has the remedy for your sins. When you are ensnared by sin and shame, it is only by the anointing of the Holy Spirit through your repentance that God can break the yoke of that shame and that sin. He can break it like that when you call on his name. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning and I'm going to ask you to reflect, to do a, reminisce a little bit. What has God done for you? Have you received his free gift of salvation? Have you repented of your sins? Okay. If not, you can do that right now. Okay. Secondly, if you have been forgiven, You've been cleansed. Your sins are washed away. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life in Heaven. There's a place in Heaven prepared for you. Have you been grateful or have you been ungrateful? Have you been living for yourself? Just taking? Or have you said, God, I can't ever pay you back. But I sure can pay it forward. I sure can tell someone else about what you've done for me. I sure can stop living for myself and for my own pleasure and start living for you. So it's a time of surrender to the Lord as Savior, but it's also a time to recommit, to repurpose your life, to live not just for you, but to live for God and to live for others. So Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we pray for each one here and each one watching online at their cabins on this memorial weekend, watching at their cottages, Lord, wherever they're watching from, that God, you would bring your Holy Spirit, the living water, and Lord, just give it to us, Lord.